Citizens of Natstown is brought to you by the Ballpark Bus, with departure stations at Clyde's and Ashburn, Glory Days in Reston and Herndon, the Green Turtle in Ballston, Sterling, and Dulles, and Velocity 5 in Centerville. When you don't want to drive to the ballpark, leave the driving to us. Take the Ballpark Bus. Visit www.ballparkbus.com for more information or on Twitter at at ballparkbus. Welcome to Citizens of Natstown. <clears throat> We've got TJ Lanamar here. We've got Matthew Davila, David Huzzard. All right, let's get right into it. We uh, kind of a crazy week we've had, but uh, let's start with today. Yeah. Opening day win in Wrigley. Uh, can I get a high five? All right. That was an exciting game. I it, mean, was. it was. Uh, today has been full of exciting games. What it does, though, is it really proves how much I hate Wrigley, even though that's a nice ballpark. <laughs> well, you know, there was some uh, wind there. Yeah. Zimmerman could tell you about. Uh, he would have probably had two home runs if it wasn't for the wind. And well, that last one he hit, he absolutely – he was into his trot. <laughs> right after – right at, it was one of those swings, one of the Zimmerman swings where just – the swing was there, the sound was there. The ball was going, and then it just started blowing right back in. And it's regularly. Yes, it blows. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, we uh, we work our way through the lineup. Uh, Desmond, one game, but, I mean. That's pretty hot. That's pretty <laughs> awesome. Especially because, you know, there's all this, you know, oh, I don't think Desmond can lead off talk. And then, you know, three hits, he gets on base on an error. I mean, that's pretty awesome. I mean, he got five at-bats in today's game, and he got on base four times. Yeah. Uh, going back and looking through it, I mean, the the one that really stands out, granted he had a uh, a crucial walk in the eighth inning. Hmm. Um, LaRoche just uh, – maybe it was the delivery of Dempster. Uh, he he looked lost glove. at the plate today. He, looked, he, he just did not look like someone that was picking up the ball. He couldn't even foul a ball off from Dempster. It was a little frustrating, I mean, to, you know, to listen to, because I was listening to it on the radio. I mean, uh, I didn't actually see the at-bats, um, but, I mean, does anybody really want to see those at-bats? <laughs> but, no, I agree. Uh, when he got the walk, I, was, I wasn't I was so worried about the strikeouts, in all honesty, because, I mean, you know, you can't blame a guy for making outs. Well, you can blame a guy for making outs. You know what I mean. Sure. An out's an out, but... Uh, at least he got on base at a crucial point. That was nice. Yes, that was against a different pitcher. That was against I a different really pitcher. I really think it was the uh, delivery of Dempster. There was something there where LaRoche just couldn't see the ball out of his hand. It was. I I I can agree with that, and I think, I mean, as much as we want to give the guy crap and that um, that we're all quick to jump, you know, right on to, oh, he's not going to produce. Oh, we need to put more to first because yeah, oh, yeah I mean, yeah. It's a, no, no, bench him, totally bench him. One I mean, game, let's bench him. It's absurd to a 
it's one game. <laughs> you, you know, you know who else only got on base one time today? Ryan Zimmerman. Bench him. Bench him. And he got <laughs> a walk. There were a lot of guys that only got on base once today. It was yeah. not a good offensive day. I mean, I I would, would almost look it up, but I didn't. Um, but I'm willing to bet that if you went to Baseball Reference and just pulled up all of baseball for last year and the year before and the year before that and the year before that and just looked at offense, you'd see that April is a rather depressed month for offense because it's cold. And the pitchers are just, they're going to pitch inside on those bat handles and they're going to make those batters really uncomfortable. And, you know, it's cold and the ball just doesn't travel that well in weather. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I mean, I'm not even going to try and find a scientific reason for it. It was just a bad offensive day that happens in baseball. I mean, it happened to everybody in baseball today, it seems. I think the highest-scoring game I saw today was the Marlins and, uh, was it uh, Cincinnati? The highest-scoring game would have been the Indians and, uh, and Blue Jays. Which is still ongoing. The, when yeah, I that was the last I heard of it's it. It's 4-4 right now. Oh, okay. See, that's eight total runs. Okay, okay. So. The, the Reds were 4 nothing to the Marlins. Oh, no, no excuse me. It's 7-4. The oh, Blues okay, okay, okay. Uh, that, that could really be the end of it there. Yeah, um, maybe. <laughs> yeah, Cleveland still has a chance to answer. But, yeah, so, I mean, what, what I guess people really need to take into account here is, I mean, as obvious as it sounds, Baseball is a game of averages, mm -hmm. and it's over 162 games. Yep. So one bad day, whether it's on opening day or the last day of the year, is not going to drastically affect how a player does. If LaRoche comes in and he's striking out for the next six weeks, let's worry about it. A little it, bit yeah. of a different story. <laughs> I mean, you also, know. though, uh, people have also done that. I mean, people are notoriously show slow starters. LaRoche is mm -hmm. one of them. Um, I mean, hell, the year that Justin Morneau won the MVP, he was awful in April. You know, you God remember, off. You remember who else started out slow last year? Michael Morse. Michael Morse. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, he did. But, I mean, you know, it, it's interesting that uh, as soon as Dempster was taken out of the game and somebody else was put in, that LaRoche got a walk. Yeah. I mean, I guess Kerry Wood was all over the place, but you still got to give <clears> the guy He wasn't that much all over the place. He was, um, he was that, missing uh, the strike zone, but he wasn't, you know. It, yeah, no. and uh, wasn't like, like uh, you know. That uh, fourth ball was a gift. Was, if, yeah, if, no. if it was placed where it looked on Game Center, it was a gift because it was 90% in the strike zone. Yeah, well, even even Charlie Slow said, wow, how do you take that pitch? Yeah. I mean. Well, there well, are some batters that when they get a reputation, the umpire will start to look at them. And LaRoche is a guy that has a reputation for having a um, – having a good eye at the plate. I mean, you know, like I think a lot of people in DC particularly are are a little bit harsh on LaRoche because of last year. Um hard to fault a guy for hard to fault a guy for, for, you know, being human and hurting. <laughs> I mean now granted he hasn't been hurt on the same scale of you know playing for just a couple of games and being out for the year. Um but Ryan Zimmerman isn't exactly a bastion of health here either. That's true. I mean, those aren't injuries that are going to be recurring. Those aren't injuries that are related to each other. They are sort of freak injuries, but he has been hurt. They're injuries nonetheless, and they cause him to be out. Exactly. There was, what was it, 08? He missed 60 games, I think. 
And last year he missed 60 games. 61. 61, yeah. So, I mean, and at the end of 2010, Zim, I want to say, missed 5, 10 games, something like that, because strain. I mean. Yeah, he didn't finish on the DL, but he did miss the rest of the season. Yeah. I think there's a little more forgiveness in baseball towards your homegrown talent than there is towards the free agent. I would agree with that as well. I I think he just gets a – he gets a bad rap. He came in. He was basically Mm -hmm. the last first baseman that was available last year or the last decent first baseman out there. So we took him. We gave him the money that it took to get him here, and then he played, what, a month? He played April? Yeah, he played April, then he was hurt. And he was probably hurt when they signed him. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean. And there's really, you know, no big free agent first baseman coming on now. Looks like this past offseason was the last one for quite a while. If you want to label LaRoche the reason we, quote unquote, failed last year, okay. What? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it it didn't really seem like we skipped too much of a beat without LaRoche. I mean, I like LaRoche's glove at first. He's. You know, when he's on, he's a good offensive force to have. He's not the best offensive first baseman in the league, but he's a good one. He's And, you know, I feel like we've had this conversation before. And we have. <laughs> and, I mean, it's, it's coming up more now because there was such an outcry against him, again, because of one game right. today. That's why I have something here. I went ahead and I ranked the uh, players in the National League East by position. Yeah. And, uh, you know, We'll get to first base second, but first base is an interesting one for the NLE because you, you know, we'll get there. But first, we'll start with uh, we'll go around the diamond. Uh, at catcher, this one was fairly easy to go through, except for possibly the last two. Uh, but we have number one Brian McCann, who with uh, Mauer's recent injuries might be the best catcher in baseball. Um, I, actually, on well trivia. Do you know he's the only person to see the field in the last six All-Star games? To Who? play in every game, Brian McCann. Brian McCann? No, I believe that. It's kind of mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I was thinking, I mean, there's got to be a Yankee in there somewhere. Jeter was hurt at one point, A-Rod. Uh, I thought maybe Rivera might have been the guy. No. Brian McCann. Brian McCann is the only a good man. catcher. I, 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 I like Brian McCann, but I have to admit I hate Brian McCann because he's not on our team. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that'd be nice if he wasn't. Number two, Carlos Ruiz. Number three, Wilson Ramos. Number four, Josh Tolle. And number five, John Buck. The Marlin at the bottom. I just want to point that out. Yeah, well, Tolle <laughs> could easily be at the bottom. I was going to say, I, well, I, I might take Buck over Tolle, but, I mean, that's really that's splitting hairs at that point. Yeah, it's not Tolle really is a, a better difference. contact hitter and better defensively, and Buck can occasionally hit a home run. Yeah. Uh, First base, I ignored injuries on this because, that, you know, obviously this would, that would change things. But uh, number one, Ryan Howard, two, Gabby Sanchez, Freddie Freeman, Adam LaRoche, and Ike Davis. As I did this, I realized something. You have Ryan Howard, who is your stereotypical power-hitting first baseman that can't really field. And then you have everyone else who is exactly the same player. They They can field well, and they – you know, contact hitters that get on base that are about 20, 20 25 home run guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, Gabby Sanchez could break out this year, but you know, maybe, maybe not. Second base, Chase Utley, Dan Ugla, Danny Espinosa, Omar Infante, and Daniel Murphy. I, I mean, I, I think 
obviously Uggla is a better hitter. Uh, last year he had he was better on defense too, if I recall correctly. He was better than himself. Yeah, him. that's what I mean. <laughs> but uh, he 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 is just. Um, there was one point last year where he had an under 200 batting average mm-hmm. and 14 home runs. That's impressive. He's just every hit was <laughs> so a every, home run. everything he hit was a home run. Yes, he's just a very powerful hitter, which is something that you don't normally get out of second base. Mm-hmm. That those 30 home runs a year from second base are very valuable. And maybe Danny Espinosa can be that player. Maybe with his defense, that would be very nice. That would be nice. And he would move ahead of Dan Ugla on this list. But this, I so mean, step it up, yeah. Danny. Come on, Joe. <laughs> Um, shortstop, Jose Reyes, Jimmy Rollins, Ian Desmond, Ruben Dejada, and Tyler Pasternicki. Uh, now it, it bears uh, bears mentioning that Pasternicki is a child, a rookie. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll just go with the word rookie. Yeah, he's a rookie. <laughs> the, the Braves didn't really try to do much in the off season. They didn't do anything in the offseason. They traded Derek Lowe. Okay. They didn't do anything in the offseason. <laughs> they really didn't. Um, third base, Ryan Zimmerman, Hanley Ramirez, David Wright, Chipper Jones, Placido Polanco. I honestly, I think uh, I'd probably put Placido Polanco a little higher in there. Just, I mean, you put Polanco over Chipper? I would, because Chipper's old and decrepit. <laughs> he is, but he still has the power. I'm sorry. Yeah. Both sides of the plate. Yeah. Um, and really, I'd keep it how it is. I would probably put right over Ramirez. I mean, that's just a, a personal thing there. Um, but Ramirez is the better offensive player. But, I mean, his defense translating from short should be better, too. I agree on that. When actually. it's all said and done, Ramirez might be first on the list. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, we got to see how he how he holds up at a full season at third. I know he had a, a goofy play with Jose Reyes yesterday. <laughs> he did. Yeah. We will see how it goes. He may also move down the list, like you suggested. Um, left field. This is where the NL East really takes a dive. <laughs> uh, Michael Morris, Logan Morrison, Martin Prado, Jason Bay, John Mayberry Jr. <laughs> I just like that John Mayberry, Mayberry Jr. is on the bottom. <laughs> well, I mean, he's not better than any of the other people. I know. I just like that he's there. Yeah, and as bad as Jason Bay has been, if he could get back to being Jason well, Bay, he would move to the top. Yeah, and I mean, Jason Bay, he kind of suffered from City Field, though I don't know anybody benefited from the improvements they made today. But, again, it's only one game, so you can't really make any kind of assessment. Yeah. But let's see what happens to Jason Bay this season. Yeah, they- the defense there, Martin Prado's got to be the best defensive player in left field that the you know, East has. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, because Morris and Morrison are both butchers in the outfield. <laughs> Statues. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Center field, Shane Victorino, Michael Bourne, Andres Torres, Emilio Bonifacio, and Rick Ankiel. Man, I can't believe anybody's ranked under Emilio Bonifacio. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well uh, you know, and I think it's uh, an interesting point that really the Nationals' weakest uh, weakest positions are the outfield overall. I mean, mm-hmm. you had two positions, uh, center and left. Worth has right locked down, I'd say. So. He does. Well, it depends on what you're looking for. I mean, defensively, left field is kind of a 
Yeah, I mean, mean we we've got you're a not really looking solid. for defense yeah, out of left you're field. You're looking for yeah. a good hitter out of left field. You're looking for someone who's not going to absolutely murder you defensively in left field. You're right. looking for not Adam Dunn. Yes. <laughs> so God. Now right field and third base might be the best two positions in the NL East. Uh, with right field, John Carlo, Jason Hayward, Jason Worth, Hunter Pence, and Lucas Duda. Duda. Now I put, <laughs> I put I put Pence down so far, mainly because of his defense. It's just not good. Very bad. Well, I definitely agree that uh, Mike Stanton, or sorry, Giancarlo Stanton. No, there's no Stanton now. It's just Giancarlo. It's not Mike. Madonna. We're talking. About. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was just gonna call him Mike Stanton. Okay. <laughs> All right, uh, I think Mike Stanton's a great uh, outfielder. He's, you know, he's got okay defense out there, and man can hit. He man can, can hit, hit real. <laughs> kind of hate how well he hits. When actually. he gets a hold of a baseball, it leaves a ballpark faster than well, the speed of light, <laughs> or faster than that that quirky Marlins logo looks on the hat. <laughs> Faster than we can come up with the comparison. So there you go, because yeah. our material is obviously tired. Anyway, <laughs> well, you know, th- this is just the position players. Right. If you go by, I also on Twitter I did this, but if you look at the rotations, I would go with the rotations. I would go Phillies, Nationals, Marlins, Braves. And Mets. Those middle three are really close, I think. I just, you know, I don't like Nolasco or Anibal Sanchez. When Anibal Sanchez is on, he has some of the best stuff in the majors. But when he's off, he's a train wreck. Mm. And Nolasco is just consistently, you know, mediocre. Then, of course, you have Zambrano there at the bottom. <laughs> I don't know I'm what sorry. to say about that. Oh, my God. I was watching a, a spring training game with uh, Zambrano. I think he had some ridiculous number of, uh, what was like, 90 pitches. And it was the fourth inning. Now, <laughs> am I the only one who's really excited? You have Zambrano, who's already a head case. Yeah. Then you're pairing him with a manager. No, yeah. This is. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Throw <laughs> Hanley Ramirez into the mix and forget about Ooh. it. I mean that's a that's you don't mix that that combination. I don't know what they were smoking in Miami. It was probably laced with something. It could be a very <laughs> fun year to see. It's all going to be on Showtime. So. Yeah. Funny what a new ballpark brings. Isn't it, it? it is. <laughs> I wonder if the lime green around that ballpark. God, that ballpark is rancid. Something fierce. Yeah. So anyway, get to the bullpens. Go Braves. Nationals. Phillies, Marlins, Mets. Now, something I've noticed with the Phillies is they have really good pitching. And that's that's hard not to notice, let's face it. Uh, but really, it's their three starters. It is the starters. <laughs> that, <laughs> that are that good. The bullpen is a little suspect. Yeah. You well, got Papelbon, and then Bastardo, Stutz, and, well, uh, Contreras is hurt right now. And I don't really know who else they have out there. That's always been a problem for the Phillies, though, even in their, you know, like, World Series year. and Well, in the World Series year, Lidge was perfect. Well, yeah. 
But uh, like in back in '09, their bullpen wasn't very good. 2010, their bullpen wasn't very good. But they could make up for it because they had stellar defense. But yeah. now you got Chase Utley, who's hurt, and they missed Jimmy Rollins a bunch last year. And I mean, just pointing it out. It's yeah. going to be interesting with their bullpen. That that will be the interesting part of their team. Oh, I, I missed this actually. Who's playing second base for the Phillies right now? Galvis, Freddie Galvis, the call up. Um, could be decent, could not be. Yeah, I mean, he's a call-up. You'll we'll find, find out. out. <laughs> yeah. and then the benches. I rank the benches as Braves, Phillies, Nationals, Marlins, Mets. And the Mets, they have an extra pitcher, so they only have four guys. Yeah. And the Marlins bench has absolutely no power on it. Their biggest power threat is Greg Dobbs, which isn't much of a power threat. <laughs> <laughs> and you know the Nationals bench is, is, isn't that great, but it's improved from last year. Well, you know what I like about the bench today is it came through. It did. Uh, <laughs> Chad Tracy, uh, he was he got the the double there that it led to the winning run it was scored by Brett Carroll and Desmond drove yep, him in. Yep, uh, it was a double with two outs. Yeah, yeah, that was a thing of beauty. It was, and and it's another thing where if there was no win, it might have been that game would look completely different because. You know, he would have had Zimmerman's two home runs. Soriano probably would have hit a home run. He had Tracy and Ian Stewart. I want to get back to Ian Desmond real quick if we can. Okay. Because he takes a lot of flack. Still haven't figured out why, really. But today, he got the first and only hit for about seven innings. (laughs) Yes. On the first pitch of the game. On the first pitch of the game. And then uh, he drove in the winning run. Think people will like him now? No, no. no because I saw uh, um, Latson tweeted that where are all the Desmond haters today? Yeah. And someone tweeted him back and said, "One game doesn't make a season." <laughs> it's like, well, thank you, thank you for your advice, <laughs> but you still want to cut Jason Worth and Matt Roche. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> but I did see a funny uh, tweet from someone else that said, um, "It said." Opening day has confirmed everything I've thought about this season, except for everything else is just a small sample size. That doesn't make any sense. It makes perfect sense. <laughs> it's hilarious. Because it's, it's you know, if, you know, you thought that Adam Lourish was going to st- stink, you go, okay, well, that he stinks. See, look, this game. And then you go, Ian Desmond, he was good. You go, that's a small sample size. Oh, okay. That's what they're saying is that, you know, if it confirms what you think, you go, you... <laughs> but I, I actually think, Stats in baseball, people shouldn't be allowed to use them in conversation unless it's from a box score until June 15th. A rule of thumb for just, baseball geeks. Yeah, I just think <laughs> that, that that's when you have sort of enough data to start looking at things. Yeah, because, I mean, anything's going to be skewed. Uh, it's, it's, defensive oh. metrics are going to be skewed yeah, right now. I mean, um, you're going to look at uh, on base percentage or anything like that. It's not going to normalize for – probably 10 weeks into the season. Yeah, no, I agree. You know, someone probably, if someone could mention, if we were saying this on Twitter, probably someone would have said to us by now that that Ian Desmond's batting average is unsustainable. Uh, I don't think I... (laughs) No way. I I, I don't think anyone thinks he's going to hit 700 for the season. I think he will. That's (laughs) good. Just because I like to disagree, I don't know. No, All right, well, just FYI. <laughs> uh, a quick touch on the bullpen. Um, 
Tyler Clifford went back to his vulturing ways. Yeah, that was excellent. I stole a nice little win there. Yeah, that's that classic. Uh, that classic national. How about how about <laughs> Stroudsburg today with the efficiency there? That was breaking bats with a two seamer. Um, we're we're gonna come back to that in a little while because I, I do have a question Matt and I talked about uh, a little while ago. Uh, we don't have enough time right now. Um, let's. Uh, what about Lidge? Lidge, dude. How was dude, it rooting dude, for? Dude, <laughs> that that one. Pitch, that was weird. That I was like, come on, Lidge. Stewart. That that when when Stewart hit that triple, I thought that thing was going. I thought, I, oh God, here's Brad Lidge. The same old Brad Lidge that gave up the monstrous home I, run to Pujols, the home I, run to Zimmerman, the home run to Scott Pesednik. <laughs> Scott Pesednik. Yeah. Okay. Um, he came into the game, and I had a a weird sort of mini heart attack is the only way I can think to describe <laughs> it. But at the same time, I was like, what the hell? You know? <laughs> that's, that's kind of what my mindset was. Because it's been since. September of last year, since I had a nice, you know, late heart attack <laughs> in a baseball game. Yeah. So, you know, and you know what? You got to credit Lidge for giving it to us. Because we had a guy on third base with one out. Well, Zimmerman had a lot to do. The Cubs, well, idiot, well, and that's what I'm saying. And if it wasn't for a sweet play by Zimmerman, then. Yeah. I don't know why, why the Cubs had the contact you, play on. Yeah, why do you send them there? Because you're the Cubs? Maybe, maybe Jim <laughs> Riggleman's. Floating around somewhere. <laughs> I, I I don't understand why they sent him. I don't you know. Uh, they they were they were just desperate to tie it up, and maybe the guy who's actually managing the game is uh not very smart. They should look at how many outs they have. Maybe he yeah. Look no. at the game situation. Yeah, I mean, because all you have to do in that situation is get a ball into the outfield. Yep. I mean, you know, just leave the infield. Well, it would have been two outs with a runner on third third still, but. You can still win on a wild, yeah, but then you on don't. a wild pitch or a single way. Yeah, you don't completely screw yourself there. Yeah, so just it relaxes the other team's defense when you get rid of the lead uh, runner there. But I mean, you know, do do and you know, uh, aside from that triple that he gave up, do give some credit to Lidge. You know, he got two strikeouts. And he did. The slider looked very good. I yeah, I didn't get to see the slider, but I mean, it he was throwing it for strikes, and that was uh that's a problem he's had in the past. It is. And uh. I mean, you know, even if uh, it was weird to root for him, I'm obviously glad he had success, but I know he's happy to be healthy for one and right on. I'm looking forward to storing me, man. Me too. I mean, yeah. come on, does that even need to be said? I, I, I will like Lidge when he's in the seventh inning or if Henry Rodriguez is in the seventh and Lenny Lidge is in the sixth. The Nationals' bullpen, bullpen has a chance to really be a shutdown bullpen. Especially with, uh, I mean, what you saw in Henry Rodriguez this spring is just right. What I mean, he he was he was good. <laughs> he was, and even when he blew the game uh, against the Red Sox, the, the last exhibition game, yeah, it wasn't the way that he blew games last year. Mm. He was still throwing I, strikes. I don't think he did. He give up a walk? I don't no, remember. They no, were I still, didn't think so. They were still. They were just hitting the ball. Yeah. This wasn't the Henry Rodriguez of. Hit a batter, wild pitch, walk right. a guy, I mean, wild pitch. And, and that's the way you got to do it. If you're going to lose, make them beat you, you know? And they beat him. Yeah. And as the old adage in baseball goes, you tip your cap, you know? I mean, what can you do? If they if they can hit your 100-mile-an-hour fastball with movement, Jesus, you yeah. you, you did it right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some days you're not going to be as lucky or as good as others. Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good, but sometimes being good does help. <laughs> <laughs>
All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break here. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Uh, on the other side of this, we're going to have Bill Ladson. Uh, we're going to talk the rotation. We're going to talk some opening day. We'll be right back. And we're not going to stop talking. And we are back. Back we are. That's uh, we're about to get. Um, <laughs> we're about Bill to get Bill Ladson on the line. That was the worst time for ever, you two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for the help. You're uh, welcome. Uh, uh, <laughs> there's a lot going on in my world. <laughs> you don't know much drugs. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. All right, let's get him on the line. Jeopardy music. Hey, Bill, this is TJ with Citizens in Town. Hey, how's it going? Pretty good. How you doing? I can't complain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you said they were waste our time. <laughs> yeah. So uh, let's uh, let's get right down to it. Uh, actually, let's start with. Uh, you guys want to start with Lannon first? Let's start with Lannon. Let's okay. start with Lannon. So uh, the first question I have is, <clears throat> how how long ago do you think this was kind of an idea for him to go to the minors. And it was always an option because he was the, the one guy that did have an option. Um, but was this something that had been talked about at all before, or is this a, a surprise to just about everybody involved? Well, I think it was a surprise to Lannon, but if you, if you followed me um, the last couple of months, mm. getting back to December, um, I've said all along that the Nationals wanted Detweiler. To be in the rotation, and uh, I'm not surprised. I'm, re- I'm really not surprised at all. Um, only because that while I had a great second half, and uh, I mean, I'm, I'm just not surprised at all. I'm just not. Well, I mean, it, it, it's interesting because I think the option was in the back of everybody's mind, but everybody knew Detweiler didn't have an option. Right. You know? But here's the thing. Um, I just didn't think Lana would be sent down. I thought he'd be traded. But to my surprise, you know, there are a lot of teams who don't think Lana is worth, you know, a lot of players for. You know what I'm saying? Um, Yeah. I mean, uh, a lot of people, a lot of people don't seem to feel like he's worth what he's getting paid one. And, you know, Mike Rizzo has his thing where he has a set price for everybody. But at the same time, he's not hearing what he wants for Lana. Right, but you know, to my surprise, you know, no one wants to deal with Landon's five million dollars, which is cheap, mm-hmm. you know, by comparison to any other salary in Major League Baseball. So, that's, um, that's correct. <laughs> I'm really surprised by that, but I think what hurts Landon, in which no one is saying, he's not a strikeout guy. He's a ground yeah. ball pitcher. Uh, you compare to Detweiler. Detweiler can strike out people, and um, I think that's been Lannon's biggest problem. Now, I mean, I have to say I was I was uh, kind of surprised as far back um, as actually last Friday when Detweiler picked up Strasburg's start instead of Lannon, like you would think the the fifth starter would. Um, right. I mean, that would have fit him right in there. Uh, did that tip anybody off, or did that uh, kind of raise any eyebrows when that happened, or is that more of a – He's the long guy, and, you know, this is what we're doing. No, no, it was actually he's a long guy. And, uh, and I think no one really took notice of it until um, the last exhibition game at Nats Park when yeah. Detweiler came in. Yeah. So that's when I did. Right. I think the big mistake 
was that Davy Johnson saying that Lannon is my guy. Yeah. And um and I think that's the big problem. I think the decision that the Nationals made was right. Detweiler is the better guy. But I think Davy Johnson shouldn't have said um Lannon's my guy. Because I'm telling you, I don't think Lannon was ever their guy, you know, to tell you the truth, for a long time. I can tell you that after the Gio Gonzalez trade, I got, I received a call the next day. This is after the trade in December. I was told they were going to try to trade Lannon. So, I mean, I'm not surprised Lannon is in the minor leagues mm. in that sense. Well, I, I know when we acquired Edwin Jackson, I was, one, kind of like, what? And then, two, kind of like, this puts Lana in a precarious situation. <laughs> Because I mean, you know, suddenly you have a bunch of a bunch of stars because Chen Ming Wong was still healthy, and uh, suddenly what what happens there, you know? Right. Confused. And right, and what those guys have that you just mentioned, they're strikeout pitchers, mm-hmm. and that's the one thing that I think that has hurt John Lennon, you know, the last two years at least. Um, so I mean, there's nothing he can do. I mean, he can't suddenly become a strikeout pitcher. So I mean he is what he is what he is. So um hopefully for his sake, you know, he can get traded and uh start a new career. Now fast forward to uh was it yesterday that all mm-hmm. this came out? The the email. Um Correct. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, that's not a, a normal thing for just about any player to do, let alone a, a guy who's now in the, the fifth starter or sixth starter type role. Um, right, club. right. That is correct. So, um, you know, there's there's really nothing Lannon can do legally because he's not a free agent. Um, he doesn't have anything in his contract that says that he can opt out if he's not in the rotation. There's really nothing he can do. I mean, I'm not saying what Lannon did was a waste, mm-hmm. but um, it pretty much was because Mike Rizzo isn't going to listen to you know, what John Lannon says, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, my thinking is is their best chance for trading him was probably spring training. I mean, once you use that option, it's evident that he's not made this rotation, whether it's because he just doesn't fit into what they're trying to do or how the other options with other players are working out that he gets sent down. He's obviously obviously hasn't made the rotation. Um <clears throat> you kind of lose any leverage once you do that. And it's better for the club now just to use them as that. If somebody gets hurt, you bring them up. Yeah, definitely. Right. I mean, that, I mean, that's how it's going to be done. I think. Um, although again, again, I'll, I won't put anything past my Rizzo. I think he will try to trade John Lennon, but you got to remember Rizzo is not going to give give him away. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so, I mean, this is like a wait and see thing. I still think it's slim that he'll be traded, mm-hmm. but um, you just never know. Sure. Now, could John Lennon's value start to go up to other teams? As you know, say the Red Sox realize that Josh Bard has to actually pitch, and the Tigers realize they need a fifth starter. Yeah, but you know what, though? John Lennon is considered no more than a fourth or fifth starter. Mm-hmm. And when you say that, you know, that means that the Tigers or the Red Sox, they're not going to give up a lot for him. You know, if, if John Lennon was – this was two or three years ago when Lennon was a, a number one starter from the Nationals or, you know, or number two, 
then I can say maybe you can get some players, but I don't see how you do that. Agreed. So, uh, Bill, what did mm-hmm. you think about opening day? <laughs> uh, it was great. Uh, <laughs> okay. You know, no, uh, Desmond, exactly. Desmond did well. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I knew you were going to mention that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Desmond did well. Um, and also, uh, you know, Brad Lidge, they all did well. The pitching, what, what more can you say? That's not a surprise. Um, Adam LaRoche looks, looks like he's still not really in baseball shape in terms of his swing. I mean, let's let's not forget he missed right, most right. of spring training, yeah. too. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, good. I, I want to, uh, you know, we were talking about this before. You know, it, it was interesting that he – struck out three times against Dempster and then he got on base on a walk against uh Wood. Right. So I mean it might have just been he wasn't picking up Dempster. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I agree with that. And uh I'm also taking it uh, the fact that, you know, LaRoche missed most of the uh spring right. training, so so he's trying to get his swing back. Mm-hmm. So that's the problem. And Strasburg, I mean, he was lights out. I, I was, yeah, he I was. I'm gonna be heartbroken if he uh, took a loss on giving up one run. Yeah, I mean, what was so impressive is he was so efficient. He threw like like 85 pitches, and I mean, the guy's amazing. So, and you know what I like about him is that he doesn't go for the strikeouts. I mean, he knows that a ground, a simple ground ball, would get the job done. So, this is a pitcher. He's not just a thrower. Now. Uh, one thing we were talking about, we actually haven't brought up on the air yet. Um, when they're looking at Strasburg's innings limit, are they taking into account, uh, quote unquote, like high stress innings as opposed to less stress innings? I mean, if he's as efficient as he is today, or as he was today, uh, mm-hmm. going seven innings, eight innings, but only throwing, you know, 85 pitches and uh, while doing so, I mean, he can judging by the 160 that they have him capped at, he'd be done a lot quicker than if he was pitching six innings and throwing a hundred pitches. I mean, is it more based on pitch count or how does that really work? Do you know? Well, it's, I, I don't think, well, of course it's based on uh pitch count. I'm sure the high stress uh, innings would play a role, but I, I think it depends on um, what David Johnson sees, to be honest. And, um, I don't know. I mean, because David Johnson has a weird type of thing, how, how he judges uh, Strasburg. So um, I think it really depends on the day and how he does. I, I mean, I feel like that's more Mike Rizzo's decision uh, just because, uh, you know, last year Jordan Zimmerman was capped off at 161 and a third innings. And right. That was it. He had, he had, he had a lot of games where it was like, all right, cruising, 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 fine. I remember his first complete game was a loss. <laughs> right. Well, well I, I just think, yeah, I, but David Johnson plays a role in this too because if you notice that he, you know, like he's not judging it based on weather or anything like that. So I think David Johnson will play a heavy role in that as well. Yeah. Well, there's a reason they picked David Johnson too. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I <laughs> I just, uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think the 160 innings thing is a pretty hard and fast regardless, which in my opinion isn't necessarily the best way to go about it, but there's a reason I don't make these decisions. So, <laughs> Yeah, well, when it comes to Tommy John guys, um, you, you know, the Nationals have always been conservative. And, yeah, and I think uh, they're not going to take a chance 
on Strasbourg going more than the 160 innings, no matter what. So um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens when, uh, you know, they're in the thick of the pennant race in early September, and you have to see what happens. you got to remember, too, um, like Zimmerman, he's going to miss some um, starts as well, skipped, skip some starts. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, no, I mean, um, <clears throat> actually, I kind of hope they don't do that. I mean, that seemed to really, well, as Nationals fans, we've, we've seen the product of this at least once already. And I mean, I guess it didn't, it wasn't so horrible, but I mean, it's just kind of weird, I guess. Almost seems like it throws you off. Well, there was a time mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, if you remember this, the Padres were in the race. And they set later. They yeah, set later on the DL right before the sneeze. The All Star yeah. break. That's right. Because he sneezed. <laughs> yeah. So they they put him on the DL because he sneezed. <laughs> well, um, <clears throat> I mean, uh, Desmond looked great today. Uh, not that he's going to hit 700, but do you do you think he's going to stick in that leadoff role? I mean, it looks uh, the second half of spring training, he really kind of you know put his bat together, and it's. It, carried into the regular season. Do you see him uh, kind of extending that through the season? Yes, I do. Um, I just think uh, as long as he, you know, gets on bases he's, and he's consistent, I really believe that he'll stay there. I, there's no one else that he can put there. I mean, unless they make a trade. But as of now, it was just one game. But, you know, Desmond has been successful. Well, uh Interesting thing to me today was Danny Espinosa got two walks. Um, mm-hmm. Not something he's exactly known for, let's put it yeah. that way. And, um, I mean, he's a fun guy to watch, and he's right defensively at second base. But uh, do you think that, I mean, because spring training wasn't exactly magnificent for Danny Espinosa either, uh, do you think that maybe Espinosa is going to pick it up a little bit this year? Or? Uh, there's no question in my mind. Um, I've said this many times. I think when it's all said and done, Danny Espinosa will be a superstar. I think he's going to win a gold glove. I think the hitting will come along. Um, you got to remember, too, Danny Espinosa, as well as other left-handed hitters, had serious problems at Space Coast Stadium. So mm-hmm. you got to take that in, into consideration, too. And I think he's going to be a star when it's all said and done. I certainly hope so. I love Danny Espinosa. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of uh, speaking of the park, there, uh, how much did the the weather at Wrigley have to deal with the the suppressed offense that we saw today? I know, I know. Ryan oh, Zimmerman. there's no question it, it played a role. I mean, Ryan Zimmerman should have had two homers today, and uh, it was pretty obvious that if you hit the ball in the air, you were not going to get a hit, and uh, that was part of the problem. I mean, even Soriano hit a ball that you thought was going to be like a three-run homer. And, you know, there was, you know, really no chance. It was – the wind was blowing that hard. And um, you had to hit it in the ground, and the Nationals took advantage of it. Um, well, no, I mean, it was definitely a weird Wrigley kind of day, you know. <laughs> it was. It was. <laughs> Um, you know, I mean, to me, though, the bottom line is that they won. And, uh, yeah, the hitting wasn't really there. But to me, by getting this, you know, 2-1 victory, I think it's a big sign that uh, good things are going to happen. Now, uh, Bill, on, on Twitter, you've said a few times that you believe the Nationals start the season 6-0. and 
And now right. I want to know, and we've got Gio Gonzalez versus Matt Garza coming up on Saturday. So mm-hmm. you still think the Nationals, after seeing them today, you still think they're they're going to start 6-0? and uh, There's no question in my mind, because if you look at the two teams that they're facing, um, the Cubs and, and then the Mets, I mean, nothing against them, but there are two weak teams. And if the Nationals can beat them, that's a good – I mean, that's why I feel this way. I mean, the Nationals are the better team, and they should be able to be, regardless of who's pitching for the opposing team, Garza, Nice, doesn't matter. Um, I really believe that the Nationals are the better team. It's interesting, too, because you look at this game uh, like a year or two ago, We'd have probably lost uh-huh. this game today. Yeah. The I mean, just like you know, watching the games from the past and then watching the game today, it was, it was neat. It was different. Well, with how Johan Santana and Steven Strasburg pitched today, that's <laughs> going to be a good right. game. Right? <laughs> yeah. 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 So. yeah. Well, part of the problem, as you mentioned, you know, um, the offense last year, I mean, played a role. I mean, uh, was a reason they had a record under 500 last year and. I think that's going to be the big difference. If you know, I, as you know, I predicted 85 wins, and it can go higher than that if the offense improves. I mean, yeah, they need um, great years out of Ian Desmond, Jason Worth, uh, Danny Espinosa. I mean, it's not a secret. They need performances out of those guys, and um, if they do, wow! I mean, watch out. Yeah, definitely agree on that. Well, uh, Bill, we appreciate you coming on, and uh, we, uh, we'll have you back on here in a couple of weeks. You got it. You guys take care now. All right. Hey, thanks, thanks a lot. Thank you. All right. Bye. All right, guys. Uh, citizens of Natstown will be right back. And we are back. All right. Well, now we've reached the uh, Bryce Harper time of the show. Bryce Harper <laughs> corner. Actually, what we're going to do real quick is we're going to open up the phone lines. Anyone that wants to call in, 347-205-9638 is the phone number. That's 347-205-9638. Call in and yik yak. There was a point in time during today's game when the Nationals were not hitting at all, and uh, Bryce Harper was two for two, and people were saying, well, if this continues, he should be called up very quickly. But, well, that did not continue. The Nationals went on to win the game. And, uh, you know, but Harper has got to be the biggest X factor in baseball. When you just look at what he could add to that offense as a left-handed power bat, it would completely change the dynamic of the lineup. I think people really need to temper expectations. I mean, his MO at every level of baseball that he's been at whether it's been high school, going to junior college, going into – exactly. Yeah. He starts slow. And, I mean, considering you have major league pitchers that uh, – Hey, goodness. I mean, the, the, they, the talent jump from AAA to the majors is it's pretty, pretty, pretty fast. You have to – A, you have to make adjustments. And, B, these are guys that make very few mistakes. I mean, we – having watched a – a not-so-great organization for the last couple of years, have seen a lot of mistakes. That's not the norm in baseball. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to imagine. I still <laughs> I mean, Bryce Harper gets off to us. It's not really, you know, the start that's going to matter. Once he gets it figured out, that's when it's going to start to matter. And he's going to change that offense more than anybody they could trade for. Yeah. 
I'm just talking about the guys, I mean, just like today, who were on LaRoche, who were on right, yeah. He is going to have people on him. He is a $13 million player from day one. Why is he not hitting 30 home runs today? I mean, it's... Yeah, and that's that's one thing that, I, I mean, I do... I would like to see that, though. The guy hit 30 I, home runs in his first yeah, no, that'd be incredible. <laughs> I mean, I feel like uh, sometimes people are a little too uh, quick to make an assessment on somebody. God forbid Harper come up and not hit 600 home runs by the time he's 30. <laughs> you know? I think people, you know, sort of, you say temper expectations on Harper, but you've seen what Harper's done already as a professional. And, you know, I don't think you can temper expectations on him. I, I think he's a one-of-a-kind player. And when you're looking for comparables to Harper, forget them. There are none. He's Bryce Harper, that's it. Griffey? No, he's Bryce Harper. <laughs> he's a different player. He's a different person. It's sort of like, you know, in basketball, being called – there was a time where being called the next Jordan was the biggest curse someone could receive. Mm. And if you notice, Kobe Bryant was never the next Jordan. And LeBron James was not the next Kobe Bryant. But he was the next Jordan. I'm almost positive I've seen that. No. <laughs> no one ever said that enough. That was Vince Carter who was the next Jordan. <laughs> Three peaks and all. Yeah. Um, so, well, um, you know, the pitching, the Nationals, Strasburg was very good today. And that two-seamer went just in on the hands, thawing off the bats, inducing weak contact. Even the, the hit where he ran out of the way and it just dropped on the infield. And that was... Weak contact. My favorite part was how few pitches he got into the seventh inning. 80, 85, was it? It was, yeah, 85. That's what he finished with. I mean, that is just, you know, the Nationals today used uh, Strasburg, Clifford, Midge. Three pitchers. Three pitchers, yeah. Tomorrow they could uh, use Geo, Clifford, and Lidge. I can remember <laughs> opening days of old when uh, – we had a, a new pitcher in, in the fourth inning. That 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 wasn't good. That was when they were losing to the Phillies 11 Remember when I talked about watching horrible baseball for the last couple of years? I know. I know what <laughs> yeah. you're talking about. Yeah. Prime example. How about winning on opening day for a change? I mean, the last time that happened. 2008. Yeah, yeah. We won't mention that. That was an awesome win, but. Come on, it doesn't get any better than a Zim walkout. No, on opening night at Nationals Park. But that pitcher was Odalis Perez. I have a feeling Strasburg can repeat this alley. Odalis <laughs> Perez, I don't think, uh, you know. And that outing wasn't even that good. He went five innings and gave up, I think, he gave up a home run to Chipper. Yeah. Chipper Jones has the first home run at Nationals Park. Yeah. Ouch. <laughs> yeah. Hey, at least, uh, at least we don't have a goofy fish thing in the outfield that does weird stuff when... The thing is an abomination, oh. is what it is. Yes, that is an awful, awful thing. So, you know, the next couple of days we're going to get to see Gio Gonzalez, Jordan Zimmerman. Oh, that's my favorite. That, that, <laughs> that is... <laughs> Sunday, I'm not doing anything else when that game comes on. Calm yourself, Matt. I cannot. <laughs> cannot. We'll be doing nothing. We'll be watching the baseball game. Now, uh, who is who is Jordan Zimmerman over? facing? I have no idea. Uh, we really have a computer in front of us. <laughs> Do, we yeah. do. Who is gone? Jordan Zimmerman facing? I got it. 
We know that Gio is facing Matt Garza, and that should be a good pitching matchup. Garza can be very good. Can be, yeah. On. When he is Samarja. Yeah, <laughs> Sam- that is. I didn't even know who's he's starter. their third yeah. starter. <laughs> Samarja. The cup? Are you sure you're saying it right? Yeah. Huh. Wow, and there's not a team that could use John Lannan. Wow. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, what? Okay, uh, I, I can't even wrap my head around around this. Jeff Samarja is the Cubs' number three starter. That means he's going to own us. We probably does, <laughs> but I think it's more important what Jordan Zimmerman does to the Cubs lineup. Well, I mean, if... Uh, with a little luck, it won't be like 2011 where he gives up one run and still loses the game. And then we're going to get, you know, I don't know who, how the Mets ordered their rotation. But I would guess that it's going to probably be, it was it will probably be Edwin Jackson versus Mike Pelfrey. Look at you. And spot on. And, <laughs> and, and Ross, <laughs> Ross Detle, Detweiler versus Dylan G. I don't know about you. Well, you know, Dylan G. Dylan G is going to be throwing a no hitter against us for at least six innings. He is. That is the annoying part. That of is, yeah, we are playing in city field. He'll do it. Yeah. yeah. Well, he did it at National Park, too. Yeah, but is there anyone who benefits from city field more than Dylan G? Go and look at the stats, his home stats. Oh, no, they're they're pretty absurd. Good. Well, I, I. And really looking forward to that Johan Santana Stevens Strasburg matchup. If they both pitch like they did today, the Mets will win one to nothing. But that'll be a very, <laughs> very good pitching matchup. I think. I mean, you know, anytime that's what's neat about this year, having Detweiler in rotation is uh, any pitching matchup this year is going to be a good one. Well, maybe. I think it is. I think any pitching matchup against Roy Holiday is going to be... Well, any pitching matchup <laughs> against Roy Holiday is going to be god-awful. I mean, <laughs> but I can think of nobody who's better than Roy Holiday, or as good, maybe close. But... Justin Verlander. Yeah, well, yeah, Justin Verlander's good. I don't know. If, I mean, maybe in a couple yeah. of years he'll be Roy Holiday good. Well, but... Roy Holiday is the best. I think Roy Holiday lost to Cy Young last year because he's too good. He had the best stats of starting pitchers. You can right. you can look it up. He had better stats than Clayton Kershaw. But I guess the, the, the thinking was, well, Roy Holiday will get a chance for another one. Clayton Kershaw may, may never have a season this good again. Well, it's also nice that, you know, how old is Clayton? How old is Kershaw? He's like 23, right? Yes, he does. I mean, that's neat. Yeah. I mean, you got a guy who had the season he had. He's 23 years old. I mean, that's just awesome. Now, looking at the awards at the end of the year. This may be getting way ahead of ourselves here because we have, um, we're in April and the awards are announced in November. But I think the Nationals have a couple contenders for, that could be surprise contenders for these awards. One of them is Ryan Zimmerman for the MVP. Is Ryan Zimmerman's never really played, played on a good team. And, uh, and you know he's also been hurt a couple times. If Zimmerman could, you know, win the MVP if the Nationals are good, and he gets back to having the type of season he had in 2009, 2010, where he's that seven WAR type of player. Yeah, uh, the health is going to be a, a big issue. 
or not a big issue, but I mean, that's going to be a big factor in whether he uh, actually contends for that or not. And then, I mean, as we've seen, especially in the last couple of years, if your team's in the playoffs, you have a leg up or anybody that's not in the playoffs as far as who's contending with those. It's much, you have to have a much more outstanding season not being in the playoffs to take the MVP. Here's an interesting thing. You know, I made the joke about uh, Dylan G throwing a no hitter against us for at least six innings. And uh, I'm looking at these stats now, and you got the home and away. So, home. Dylan G's ERA is 3.17. All right, that's pretty good. Away on the road, 5.74. <laughs> that, that is a difference. Now, remember they moved the fences in in City Field. You know what the big difference it's, is? Almost all of his stats are the same. The BAPIP is markedly lower at home. It is. Right? Well, it's over it's, 50 points. He, he, he has a yeah. batting average on balls in play of 243 at home and 298 on the road. That is interesting. That is very interesting. Well, what is, does that does that speak to the? Uh, Usually that the, speaks the, maybe to the that, clock, but well, that may speak to the field. Yeah, may, yeah. I was gonna say speak, I mean, do they have like really? We would have to look up really dead grass there. Like you sort a, of have to look up everyone. <laughs> you sort of have to look up everyone. But as for you know, back at the Cy Young, I look at Cy Young contenders, and, well, there's a lot in the NL. You have the obvious ones in Holiday, Lincecum, Wainwright, Kershaw, uh, Latos. And then you have those guys that you call sort of, that could be a surprise. I think... Dark horses, if you will. When you're looking for a surprise, you sort of look for a guy with a discernible flaw. That if they corrected that flaw, they'd be even better. But they're already pretty good. And we know Gio Gonzalez has a discernible flaw, where he walks too many batters. If he corrects it, he's going to get a lot better. And he could get, be a guy that could be a Cy Young contender. That's where you get back to, you know, how much uh, 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 Steve McCaddy hates walks. Yeah. And you got uh, a couple of pitchers with the Nationals now who also hate walks. Like, they hate walks. But you also have a couple of guys who have walk issues. Um, actually, while we're on this topic, yesterday, day before, when all the uh, the projections or the predictions came out. Yes, the predictions. So, I forget who it was. I don't know if it was Jeff Passan. Jeff Passan? Yes, Jeff Passan. Selected the Nationals to be in the World Series. Well, we have that. Who was it that projected Strasburg to win the Cy Young? <laughs> I don't remember that. Boy, that'd be nice. <laughs> there was one, uh, I forget who it was, I'll have to go back and look it up, talked about Strasburg winning the Cy Young after only pitching 160 innings and not pitching basically in mid-October. Now, now I have to say, or not mid-October, mid-August. I, I think Strasburg could have done it, but I think he blew it today. Because... <laughs> You know, despite the fact that Felix Hernandez won with a low win total, all you have to do to see that they still value wins is look at the Diamondbacks rotation. Ian Kennedy got Cy Young votes. Daniel Hudson didn't. If you look at their stats, they're the same pitcher. And so that's, you can tell right there, wins are still highly valued. That's Strasburg would have to get, he would have to get 20 wins in the 25 or so starts he's going to make. Wins are the most arbitrary stat a pitcher could possibly have. I don't even 
to a degree, I don't even think it should matter. Like, I don't even think it should be recorded for a pitcher, like a starting pitcher. Because, I mean, how many good, excellent pitchers do you have that get less than 10 wins a year? I mean, Dave Nichols put it out there on Twitter today. Today's start for Strasburg was, you know, exhibit A. Of why oh, the win stat doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he threw 85 pitches through seven innings. 85 pitches. I mean, that's that's <laughs> yeah. great. That is 85. extremely efficient. I did, honestly, I, I didn't think on opening day that he would go seven innings. Well, the just, value, just because. The value of but. the win stat goes back in time in baseball when a starting pitcher – I mean, the starting pitcher is the most important player on the field in baseball. That is still true. Yeah. But they probably control somewhere around 40% of the game. Yeah. And that's a lot for one player. Yeah. But it used to be a lot more because the starting pitchers didn't come out of games. If you started the game, you finished the game. So when that starter got a win, that was his win. There wasn't really a bullpen. The bullpen came in when it was a real bad situation. I mean, that makes more sense, though. You know, if, if you're in a game and you control every aspect of it. We're talking an era where people are a lot more talented. You know, like baseball players are just better than they were back in 19. Who knows what the hell, you know? Well, not only that, but then we've also come to the era of the, the specialist. You know, the left-handed right. specialist. The left-handed specialist. The, the closing in. pitcher. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think it was Tony LaRusa who said it best. And he's like, I know I know that, that save stat. I'm a bigger fan of that win stat. I mean, I agree. And, you know, uh, the Oakland A's, they, they made some money on selling the closer. You know, a, a closer is essentially a guy who can pitch one inning and not give up a run. Yeah, the closers are, you know, the most – overvalued commodity in baseball because when you get to that point in the ninth inning and you have the lead, you're probably going to win. But I I think a closer is overvalued in the same way water is. When you have a lot of it, you don't really care. But when you don't have it, you suddenly really miss it. The Nationals are a really good place with their bullpen, too. they got a lot of guys that, uh, you know, we got at pretty cheap prices, as they say. I mean, you got Henry Rodriguez, who we picked up in a trade, who was still in the minors when we got him. Look at, I mean, he's he's got some electric stuff. Uh, Ryan Matthews, he's he's maybe not the best uh, the best bullpen guy in the world, but he's still a pretty good one. Got him on a trade, and then, you know, he had Tommy John surgery. Yes. Uh, Brad Lidge, we got him on, you know, what's considered a pretty decent deal, and let, let's face it, he's established if he's nothing. I think Mike Rizzo can build a really good bullpen. He he seems to have that knack. And, you know, Sean Burnett, call, say what you will, but he's had moments where he's been good, too. I mean, you need a couple, at least one lefty out of the pen. Um, Drew Storen, everybody loves Drew. I mean, I, let, let's face it, I don't know if there's a person on the planet who could possibly hate Drew. I think it's really <laughs> great of Tom Borzolani to take on the role. Of the blower. The, yeah, that, that, that Slayton abandoned. When he, <laughs> so, so thoughtlessly. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. So for anybody who doesn't know, and I don't know if I'm just, you know, repeating something that uh, everybody already knows about, but I like to I like to name a blower in every bullpen. And last year for the Nationals, it was Doug Slayton. Well, every bullpen has to have one. If you noticed at the beginning of the season, Slayton was okay, yeah. well, and, and Burnett I, was okay, okay, I, and 
That was when Chad Gudan was getting there. <laughs> and Chad Gudan was the blower. Then he he went away, and the torch passed to Brian Broderick. He went away, <laughs> the torch passed to Sean Burnett when Slayton was hurt. Then yeah. Slayton came back, and, and Burnett yeah. got better. Yeah. All this, I mean, there's got to be one in the bullpen. Yep. You can't have a bullpen without the blowing. I, uh, I do think it was interesting um, that, uh, you know, you, Doug Slayton, for one, uh, he came up in 2010. I mean, he was okay. John Burnett was pretty decent in 2010, if my memory serves me well. He was. Sometimes it doesn't. Uh, Doug Slayton wasn't our blower a couple of years ago. No, he wasn't. I don't, I don't really remember who was the blower. Miguel Batista. Miguel Batista was the blower. Oh, my he God, was, he was awful. You think so? I hated that man. Yes, he was He was pretty bad. I mean, he started a game Strasburg was supposed to start. That's what. That's the one thing I remember he did. Do you remember what we talked about earlier in this, in this show? No. One game. Yeah, one game. <laughs> yeah. Everybody can have a good game. I went to a game one time where Pedro Astachio pitched a complete game shutout. Pedro Astachio. Okay. It, it, it doesn't mean anything to you? You don't remember Pedro Astachio? No. The name sounds kind of familiar. I won't lie. He was on the Nationals in 2006. Oh. He was pretty bad. Yeah. Very bad. Unwatchable most of the time. He would do this thing where out of the stretch, he would sit there with his arm dangling probably 30 seconds or so, and then throw a pitch. And it would probably be a ball. Get the ball back, dangle the arm. So he was boring. <laughs> it was terrible. Okay, okay. It was the okay. worst let's, thing let's, ever let's, to watch. Let's, let's face it. In 2009, we had nothing but a bullpen of blowers. That's true. <laughs> That's very true. In fact, our most glorified blower was... Uh, Joel Hanrahan? No, he left at one point. Mike McDougal. Because he actually got oh. saved for us. You remember oh. that guy? Oh. You believe he was actually her closer at one point? He's on the How Dodgers far now. We've come. Is he still in baseball? Yes. Yeah. Well, I remember. Oh. I remember the the next year in 2010 he came back. Punch bobblehead night. I remember that well. Actually, he came in. His ERA was something like three, and by the time he left, it was something like eight. <laughs> yes, that was, was a good game. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was a Nationals have had their moments. Even when they've been bad, I think every season has had good moments. But the baseball season is so long that you're going to get those. Even in you know a bad season, you'll have good moments. So not to cut you off right here while we're talking about the awfulness that is Mike McDougal. Um, <laughs> last year, 69 games. He was in 69 games. Anyone want to guess his ERA? Three five. One point two eight. He's closer. 205. What? Okay. Okay. I knew he had a good okay. Can we get back to how uh, how irrelevant an ERA is? Uh, hang on. Time? Hang on. Uh, what, what was the fifth? fifth? Yeah. Uh, fifth is 396. Wow. Bapip was 298. He had a little bit higher whip, 1.46. Not usually what you want to see. Extremely high left on base percentage, 86 percent. Really? Unsustained. Well, look up. Look well, up. Look, like look up. Look up. Clifford's <laughs> left on base percentage. Uh, yeah, had a very high left on base. I got in this argument with someone last year about left on base percentage. And no I was, phone. I don't want clipboard. I was saying, you know. Clipboard? Clipboard? Clipboard. That a better pitcher is going to have a higher left on, base, <laughs> left on base percentage 
because, well, they're better. You does know? anyone does anyone want to guess Tyler Clifford's left on base percentage? It's in the 75%. 90s. 75%. 90%. 90%. 96. Jesus. <laughs> what was, was his left on base percentage in 2010? It was 78. Nowhere. Yeah, okay. Sounds like. Right. But 2009, uh, let me look how many games. 2009, Tyler Clifford was the only thing that was good about the Nationals bullpen. 41 games in 2009, it was 87%. That's pretty good. Now, granted, 2008, uh, well, he only had two games started. Clifford. I think it was that 08. Yankees. We traded Jonathan Abeladejo. That's 2008. It's scary, you remember this, but go on. <laughs> well, you know, you look at pitchers and the left on base percentage that is sort of, you know, they gotta let they got they gotta put someone on base first before they can leave someone on base. Well, but and I, I, I don't know if you remember last year, but Tyler Clifford didn't put that many men on base. He did not. But, but I mean, what you also I think have to remember is what real you have the spot on here. What really helped him was his batting average against 2009, 169, 2010, 206, 2011, 158 was his batting average against. See, I you was, know, he also got he also got like 100 and something strikeouts. He pitched what 90 innings. Now I will also warn his BAPIP last year was 197. Tyler league, Clifford's league average is mm, 300. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. Yeah, so Tyler Clifford has a sort of the delivery and the He's and the deceptive. pitches. That with his change up, he's going to induce more weak contact and strong. I think that Bob Pip is one of the most misused stats in baseball. Well, if you don't know how to use it, it's. it's, Yes, I I think that that a lot of people, you know, they look at what the league average is when what they should be looking at is what the player's average is. It's a stat like any other stat, and people try to, for some reason, use it differently. Good point. And, And, you know, it also. And it's horribly misused with batters. Yes. And when you think about it, if I were to say to you, which is more likely a hit, a line drive or a ground ball? I'd probably say uh, line drive. Right. Yep. But if you're saying on Bobbit, they count the same. Right. So that's another flaw with it. And, you know, and another thing is even if it's a ground ball versus a ground ball, a ground ball that comes off the bat going 99 miles an hour versus one that comes off the bat going 75 miles an hour. You, you know, uh, we, we actually mentioned this at one point, and I think it was our first show. We talked about regression mm-hmm. a little bit, and you said 36. Yep. And that that kind of speaks to what we're talking about. Well, here. him regressing. He actually, had, I think it said 38, but 36 is another one that uh, definitely. He had, I think you uh, said Clifford. I said Clifford. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, Why you said it? Okay. <laughs> if you're looking at regression, Clifford had the best year of his career last year. He did. If he goes back to having a normal Tyler Clifford year, that that's uh, still good. Last, I mean, we're not talking about regression as in going from being very good to being very bad. We're talking about like very good to being still normal. very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not talking about going from Tyler Clifford to Tom Gordon. <laughs> Everybody named here hated. Actually, I don't. I don't hate Garzolani. I uh, I definitely hated Doug Slayton. <laughs> well, I, I mean, definitely hated Brian Broderick. I, and I definitely hated uh, was Chad Godin. Yeah. How the hell did you get Godin out of the way? His name was spelled, by the way. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> Gordon. I, I thought it was Gowden. <laughs> <But laughs> I was way off. First time I heard his name spoken, I was like, who? 
But when you know, was it? But when Gorzolani comes into the game, I have a feeling that the game's already going to be over. Yeah, and I mean, you know, so there's a, there's a point in the game where you're down by 11 runs and you just need a warm body to Finish let everybody it. else leave and have a beer. Well, <laughs> it's it's funny you guys mentioned that because it was a spring training game recently. It was the last couple of days. Um, and I was down in Florida with my dad, and I looked at the box score, and I saw that Gorzolani came in. Uh-oh. And my exact words that came out of my mouth were, okay, we've given up on the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think Gorzolani is used in a weird way to t- today because he was warming in the pen when mm. Strasburg was sort of struggling there in the middle of the game in the fourth and fifth inning. Next thing you know, Clifford. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, then, I mean, Gorzlani well, never even, on, yeah, he, uh, he just kept warming out there. I think it was to sort of excite the Cubs hitters and to, make them, you know, oh, be like, oh man, oh, we're casting always the white out. flag. We're casting the white flag, but actually we think we're going to come back and win this game. <laughs> I mean, it just, like, it just, like, in it, their minds, are like, messing with people, you know, we, with, make them feel comfortable. And then suddenly they're not. If, um, if they're, they're starting to think if we can get Strasburg out of the game and then all of a sudden they're swinging at everything. Well, people, people like to point out what, a, what, a, what success Davy Johnson's had. I mean, how do we not know this isn't a little game he's playing? Well, there was, um, the, Manager that Davy Johnson played under, Earl Weaver. There's a story about him, where uh, Palmer was pitching, okay. and Palmer's pitching, and it's the uh, it's the seventh or eighth inning, or getting close to the end of the game. And Palmer and uh, Weaver orders the real bad guy to start warming in the bullpen because he noticed Palmer was looking at him, looking out in the bullpen, and he didn't see him warm. So warms the guy that's blown a lot of a lot of games, and then. He comes out to the mound, walks out to the mound, walks up to Palmer, and he says, you see who's warming out there? You finish this game, or I'm going to bring him in. Walk right back to the dugout. Palmer finish the game. Oh, that's awesome. That's a great story. And that's the manager that, that Davey Johnson learned from. I like it. I like it. I kind of hope that he does that. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's brilliant. Just walks out there. Do you really want me to have to bring him in? I, w- I would love <laughs> to know if that was something maybe Davey said to Strasburg in the, in the dugout. Well, if you watch, <laughs> the middle infielders sometimes come in. When, yeah, no, yeah, so, I, mean, I, I know, yes, I know what you're talking about. I'm sure about. Davey had picked up on some of those Earl Weaver tendencies. Earl Weaverisms, if you will. No. <laughs> I mean, and he does like the Earl Weaver wait-for-the-three-run homer style of baseball. He's not gonna want. He doesn't want to run into outs. He doesn't want to do that sort of thing. No, I mean Johnson said it before. He doesn't like to give up outs. He doesn't like bunting. He doesn't necessarily like stealing bases. Well, Desmond had a very key steal today. Yeah, he did. Desmond. I mean, Des- <laughs> okay, that's one thing I want to point out. I made this comment a while as during a spring training, spring training game. I can't speak English. I'm sorry. Um, Desmond is a very good base runner. He yeah. is a good base runner. He's good at stealing bases. I made this comment, and somebody said to me, well, if only he was good at every other aspect of the game. And that's just one of those things. It's like it, you ignore what he does well, and most people actually point out what a player does well. Like some people will point out a guy's a good hitter. Well, some guy's we, a good glove man. We live in Washington, D.C. <laughs> I don't know if you – there has to be a player on every team that's completely despised by the fans of that team. Well, let's go ahead. Um, Nats Town, I want you to get out your pitchforks and your – your torches. Call in. Because who you hate. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm going to do it right here. 
Danny Espinoza and Ian Desmond last year, the exact same player. I mean, the the only difference is that Espinoza is not at short. You know, I mean, that's you know, put him at short, he's gonna do exactly what they're, Desmond they're the does. Exact same player, they make the same errors. They and most Ooh. of them, I mean, granted, there are times that Desmond and Espinoza. Uh, boot balls that you think they should normally, you know, it should be an easy play to do. Granted, a little guy named Ryan Zimmerman, uh, the one, the throws that we're most worried about are the ones that he has time to think about. Yes. Um, but back to the the middle infielders here, they both, most of their errors are errors of trying to make something happen, yeah. trying to go a little further for a ball than they need to. Well, Desmond had a play today that should have been an error where it wasn't one of those – I'm thinking – it was one where he just grabbed the ball and he gunned it to, to Adam LaRoche, pulled LaRoche, LaRoche off the off bag. The bag yeah. And it wasn't ruled an error because I guess the official score was generous. Uh, and he was really well, feeling generous on Espinosa when yeah, the ball was right to him. Because they ruled it a hit first and then yeah. they changed it later. Yeah, they changed yeah. that one to an error. I mean – Both I, of them should have been errors. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, when you have a strong-armed guy, that's going to happen with the throws is he may overthrow it every now and then. That's that's probably one of my favorite things about those two infielders, those, their throwing arm. It's just awesome. And, you know, uh, I'll take a guy who can <laughs> who can gun a guy out at the last second over a guy who's going to throw the baseball and maybe get there late. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the arm on those two are definitely a uh, – Commodity. Yeah, I mean, you don't normally have a, a short and a second baseman. Uh, I mean, you know, how, how, how often is it you have two shortstops playing in the middle infield? And people find that as a negative for some reason. I don't understand. How can that be a negative? Well, it's like well, a, a couple... I, I think a, it's really funny. They think we have two true shortstops is what we have. Mm-hmm. One is playing short and one is playing second. And then they think that Espinosa is somehow being slighted because he's not playing short. Mm-hmm. But if we made the switch, do you know what would happen? Just, We'd have yeah. another shortstop playing second base. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I don't think people want the switch. They want Lombardozzi in there. Uh, well, that's that's the new guy. He's, he's the, the new, guy. He's yeah, the new crush that everybody has. Yeah, right yeah. He's, he's the next Danny Espinosa is what he is. Yeah. Uh, I mean – the difference is, is uh, Lombardozzi gets on base and has some good plays, and whereas Danny well, Espinosa hits home runs. He gets on base, made good plays in spring training. It will be interesting to see how he fares throughout an entire season. I, I am looking forward to it because I, I like him as a utility player. I agree. But I, I, think agree. He's, I agree. He's a utility player in the mold of, of I want to say Brian Bixler, but he's going to hit more than that. <laughs> um, probably Alex Cora in his prime. He's that type of utility player where he's he's gonna hit, he's gonna get on base, but he's not gonna hit with power. Mark DeRosa without the starter, without the starting side, without the power. Okay, yeah. takes away the power. No, no, but I mean, DeRosa did start at one point. Is what I'm right, saying. Right. Yeah. He's not the starter side. He's more of what DeRosa has turned into. Of he can play anywhere, but he mainly comes off the bench. Right, but he's not gonna have power. Okay. He's just he's just not a power hitter. He's not a power type. He put on 15 pounds of muscle, and he's still skinny. He's still hitting singles. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's a slap hitter. If you put him at, at if you put him in a, in a middle infield, he'd be Guzman. Uh, I, so I, MT300. 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Have you looked at his spring training stats? That's exactly what it was. Uh, an empty. It was 300, but he still had an under 700 OPS. It's kind of hard to you do. Know. It is hard to do. He, he can hit 300, but he has an on-base percentage of 301. <laughs> hey, that's not bad. In the minors, he did get on base. He well, no, I mean uh, th- that's what that's the thing about uh, Lombardozzi though is he has a good on-base percentage um, yeah. in the minors and in spring training. Uh, what what he can do in the majors less remains to be seen, you know, because we, you know, like I said earlier, it's you know the jump from double A or triple A to uh, the majors is pretty pretty big. I mean, there's a reason that we classify some guys as four A players, quad A players, yeah. So we're gonna have to find out what Lombardozzi is. I hope he's not a quad A player. Yeah. I, like, I like the idea of Lombardozzi, yeah, especially off the bench. You know? I don't think he's a. He, I think this is the message here. The national are saying that Lombardozzi is not a starter. Right. That yeah. he's not. If he was a starter, if they believed he was a starting second base prospect, they would have sent him to the minors to play every day. Yep. They I don't believe that. The the best comparison that has been come up with. I mean, it's come up with. It's come up more in the last couple of weeks. Um, Dave, you said it here the first week, maybe yeah. the second week. Is Zobrist. I mean, granted, Zobra starts almost every day. Granted, it's almost a different position every day of where he starts in Tampa Bay. But I think that's the right uh, the right way to think of him. Is that he's going to spell everybody. He may get five starts a week, but he'll be playing second, short, left. I mean, you know, third, he, he, you know and consider the value that he has, uh, you know, being able to play just about every position. Anybody who's not the pitcher who gets hurt, Right. Well, <laughs> and that even come in and think about think about keeping people healthy. Think about being able to uh, keep Ryan Zimmerman, you know, give Zim a day off a week or a day off every two weeks and not drastically go down uh, in your defense. And it keeps the Sunday lineup <laughs> off the field. You know, oh, yeah. that, 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 <laughs> the, the, the dreaded Sunday lineup where you're going to have all your backups in there. Right. That's not going to really happen because the guys will get days off throughout the week. And hopefully Lombardozzi's bat is enough where it's not a big drop-off when he's playing. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break real quick, and then we will uh, be right into the home stretch. Citizens of Nats Town will be right back. This break in the action is brought to you by Supernova Realty. If you want a house, townhouse, condo, or apartment to match your Nats Town state of mind, and visit www.supernovarealty.com. All right, and we are back. Once again, the phone lines are open, 347-205-9638. Yeah, well, well, the Nationals got their first win today. I picked them to win 86 games. What do you have on them? I'd say uh, I'd say around 84, 85, on all honesty. I mean, I think that would be a fair assessment. I'd be happy if we got 85 wins. Um, there's I've heard some chatter uh, about 88 wins this year. That'd be awesome too. I think that would get us in as the wild card contenders, the second wild card contender. I mean, do you think that? I mean, because the first wild card contender is supposed to come from the NL East too. Right. Uh, do you think the NL East is going to have three playoff teams? It very well could happen. I uh, think if the Braves are as let's face it, average as they've been, um, and the Nationals are better than they've been, and the Phillies are what they've been, then yes. 
I don't know if you can really count. I mean, the, the Central has two good teams. And the Brewers, that no one really knows what they are yet. And then you have the Cubs, Astros, and Pirates there as well. So the, those teams, the runner-up in the Central could very easily have a better record than the teams in the East because they're playing lesser competition. Right. Well, I mean, I don't know. I, the, the one thing that, that sticks out to me is everybody talked about the Marlins this offseason, right? Right. And uh, zero and two. You know, two games. Two games really does not mm-hmm. a season make. Let, let let's put that out there right now. But they really Josh Johnson is the the key for their success, and that's why like that's one reason I don't think about the Marlins when we're talking the NLE's playoffs at all. Just just because. Uh, but but on the whole, we're talking. Uh, uh, you know, the NL West, the NL Central, and the NL East. Um, other contenders, I don't know. Let's, uh, the Diamondbacks, they're probably going to win their division. The Central, you look at, you have the Reds, and you have the Cardinals, are basically the two. And maybe the Brewers. Maybe the maybe Brewers. The you would assume that two out of those three would well, 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 who in the who in the West? So you got the Giants. They could have the a good The team that went, well, the, the Dodgers, can't ignore the Dodgers, because they have the NL Cy Young winner. And the MVP runner-up last year. Right. And back, a yeah. giant bank account coming in a no, couple of weeks. Agreed. Um, I'm not. I'm not exactly on that that boat where you know I automatically think Cole Hamels is going to be there next year. But well, you know that's a possibility. I don't think Cole <laughs> Hamels is going to go to the Dodgers. I know a lot of people say that because he's from Southern California, and they have money. Well, there's another team in Southern California that also has money. There's also two teams in the East, in the AL. That have a lot of money and, and really need pitching. fishing. I already know who those teams are because we had this conversation. <laughs> I think a lot of people <laughs> they yeah. In, in case you're not, you know, well, in, in case, case you haven't watched baseball around. in the last I don't know what hundred years or so. Right, those the two Yankees teams are the Yankees Sox. and the Red Sox. Yes, they and they because Pineda. Well, for one, Pineda just went on the DL. Uh, but I mean that's, that's this year. Yeah, that's next year. I mean, but there's still you know. If Pineda's healthy next year, the Yankees still they got Sabathia and Phil Hughes. And well, there. I mean, the point being, there are multiple teams that'll be in the running for him. Not to mention, Edwin Jackson's on a one-year deal. Yeah, we and have he, a team in Washington that would absolutely love a left-handed to take, power pitcher. Well, a, a left-handed power pitcher. B. From Philadelphia. <laughs> How much he, would he Mike might, Rizzo love would, to just it. pluck that right out that, and say that would meet the, the That would meet the yearly off-season requirement for stealing a player from Philadelphia. I wouldn't mind Shane Victorino as well. That would also meet the yearly requirement for stealing a player from Philadelphia. Although, when you start looking at our outfield, we're getting kind of full on the outfield. Well, it's because it's the one place we've been lacking. You know? Well, so LaRoche is going to be a free agent. So you can move Morris to first. And have an outfield of Harper, Victorino, and Worth. I mean, we also, granted, we need to think about this as you've seen one day. I mean, what if LaRoche is 2009? Uh, I believe 2009 was a good year for LaRoche. 2010. 2010. If LaRoche is 2010 LaRoche, I doubt Rizzo lets him walk. He doesn't and, have an option. Well, well, 
He has, about, a, he has an option. Chris Morero comes back uh, mid-year, I want to say. Well, he can come back. But he's going to go to the minors, yeah. I think. Morero is a very LaRoche-type player. Like I, we, well, I remember I, last year you were talking about Marrero's like, please eat your Wheaties in the offseason, Marrero, because yeah. he he could he could square up on the ball, but he just couldn't, you know. When I mentioned you know the other first baseman in the NL East, where it's Ryan Howard and four guys that are exactly the same, whether uh-huh. well, there's the twenty five twenty home run guys that are more contact hitters, play good defense, instead of being the forty home run guys that you're just sort of putting at first base. You know... Which is what Morph would be. Right. And Marrero is that type of guy that, that you just... is more of your 20-25 home run contact hitter. Suddenly Aspie should be at first base. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Ah, I'm kidding. Look at how our roster is composed. I mean, obviously I'm putting Harper in here because he's going to be in here... Uh, the middle of the season. At some point, He'll probably between, be here at some point this between May and August, he's going to get a call up. Wherever it is in between, I don't know, but somewhere between there, I think he's before September, but he's definitely going to be after at least the 22 days. Well, I mean, you look at our outfield right now, it's Roger Bernardina, uh, Rick Ankeel, and Michael Morse. I mean, he comes back when they come back. They work. They work. Yes, of course. <laughs> but I, I, I'm talking. I'm talking non. You know, non locks. Non locks. Okay. Uh, Roger Bernardina. I, I love Roger Bernardina, but he just he hasn't really proven that he should stay at the major league level on and be an everyday player. I mean, everybody likes to say he's a fourth outfielder. I, I mean, yes. I mean, you, you watch him play enough games, and that's that's what you get out of him. Uh, Rick Ankeel, he had a good season the year he came back and became an outfielder. But after that, he's been up and down with a lot of injuries. He has, he's never really been consistent. I really think these next uh, probably six to eight weeks are tryouts. We have, I mean, we have two different tryouts going on. Who's going to stick on as a bench guy for when Harper comes up? Between whether it's Bernardina and Keel, Carroll, um, I think even Tian might fall into that. And I'm not, enti- or not Tian, um, Tracy, excuse I, me, I, uh, falls into that. And then you have the bullpen as well. Uh, you have Stammen that's out there. You have Matthews. You have Gorzolani. I think all three of those are potential, you know, you're gone type candidates uh, once. Wong, uh, Wong comes back, and he's actually a shorter timetable. We're probably looking early May. Yeah. And Storin's supposed to be back mid-April. Oh, that's right. I forgot it. Yeah. Storin, too. So, so we really have two spots, so two out of the three between Gorsalai. Well, and, and what do we – and that's an interesting point you bring up with Chiming Wong. It's like, so we got our five guys in our rotation right now. Well, I think if you look – if Detweiler is going well, remember, Wong can – Rehab in the minors for 30 days. That's true. They could use every single one of those days just because Detweiler's doing well. And then they could, you know. Trade Detweiler? No. Oh, we have a Detweiler fan in the house. No, I love Detweiler. If they can get a center fielder for him. For Detweiler? For Detweiler. But, I mean, that's kind of getting tough because the right. Rays are going to be. Well, well here's, here's an interesting point, okay? Uh, I just thought of this right now. 
we have Edwin Jackson on for a one-year deal, $11 million. Right. What's to say trade deadline is coming around and we don't find somebody who's a perfect fit for Edwin Jackson? It could happen. I mean, Edwin Jackson. Edwin Jackson could have a good year. Uh, the Cardinals could need a pitcher again. <laughs> they could. but um, And suddenly he becomes uh, – They don't really have a center field. They, they traded Rasmus. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think they're pretty sold on sold, John Jay. Sold just – Complete speculation on my end. You know, just, right. I, think, I, I don't, I don't know who we trade for. As the season maybe goes the Braves on, need a, a pitcher. The Braves will not trade within the division. <laughs> um, the guy that that the center fielder that's probably going to be most available is not going to be available to the Nationals, and that's Adam Jones, because the Orioles will not trade their franchise player. No, let's be honest. To Peter Angelos will not. Right. Yeah. It has nothing to do with the GM or Buck Showalter or anything else. Peter Angelos will not give up anything. The Nationals. Yeah. Uh, aside from, oh my God, what's his name? <laughs> Daniel Cabrera. <laughs> uh, uh, and you see, he wanted that to happen. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, you know. <laughs> You look around baseball and you start to think, who's not going to contend and who do you want from those teams? You probably have the Orioles, the Astros, the Padres. But who, who do the you Padres know, have in the outfield? Cameron Mabin. Cameron. Uh, okay. He had a good year last year. Okay. Well, he did have a good year in San Diego, didn't he? Yeah. In San Diego, though. I mean, I know that's a pitcher's part. It's a pitcher's part. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. I feel like... Well, he had a good all-around year. He, I mean, he was really given up on really too quickly, I think. I mean, he's, what, 26? Well, the Marlins like to give up on people. Look at Chris Coughlin. Coughlin. He won the Rookie of the Year. Can we get him? I mean, the Marlins have given up on him. I don't... I mean... I can't yeah, imagine why it. you couldn't get him. Is Brian Peterson the center fielder? No. Who is? Emilio Bonifacio. Oh, that's right. I forgot. I never think of him as a center fielder because he's not. Anyway, no, the Marlins are terrible with this outfield thing. They've had so many. They've had more center fielders than the Nationals have had. They had uh, Alfredo Amazaga. Mm-hmm. They had um, so Alejandro De La whatever, whatever his name was. Uh, an interesting thing I did not know was that Daniel Cabrera actually had a career after 2009. He gave up a lot of runs in uh, in Triple A for the Angels. I thought 2009 was it. Um, interesting fact: he uh, had an 11.7 ERA in Triple A for the Angels uh, in three games. <laughs> That is uh, exciting. Yeah, it is exciting. Well, in in 2009, when uh, before we got rid of him, well, I mean, he had a six ERA that entire season, fifty in 51 innings pitched. Um, So let's see, he got 23 strikeouts. I remember a game I watched with Daniel Cabrera where he had seven pitches in one game. Seven wild pitches in one game. Daniel Cabrera was an interesting starter because he he, was terrible. Well, there were times where he was very good. Yeah, no, in a couple of years in Baltimore, he had yeah. pretty good seasons. But I mean, uh, with us, I just remember suffering every time he took the mound. 
That's one thing that's always he fascinated me. He, he was now, hilarious to watch, you know, try and hit, too. I mean, I know he was an American League pitcher, but still. <laughs> you know, Leo Mazzoni took Daniel Cabrera and made him a serviceable major league pitcher, but yet never got a job afterwards. And is actually thought of as a failure in Baltimore. But he took, if you look at that pitching staff they had to work with, Bruce Chin, Daniel Cabrera, whoever else they had. And he actually made them serviceable. Well, I wonder, uh, you know, I know Baltimore's kind of banking on some other guys from who had some difficulty last year. It'll be interesting to see how that goes. Well, we are uh, actually coming down the home stretch here in Nats fans, so uh, let's get into our final thoughts. Matt, what do you got? Today was fun. <laughs> Caps won, too. <laughs> It was a good game today. That was a type of baseball game that you like to watch. A pitcher's duel, closely contested. It came right down to the wire. was won by obscure player like Chad Tracy coming back from Japan. I, I think a good, uh, good game. All those right. are going to be the kind of games we're going to be watching in 2012 at the Nationals. I think we're going to have a, a lot of you know kind of heart-stopping type stuff, but it <laughs> makes the game fun, right? Hey, I haven't, I haven't started growing gray hairs yet. <laughs> I need to start. Yeah, oh, that's fine. Right, my final thought is, remember, Nats fans, Bryce Harper, the absolute earliest you will ever <laughs> see him, is, I believe, April 23rd or 24th in San Diego. Absolute earliest. So if we're looking to cut LaRoche or cut Jason Worth, not until then. Uh, Wait, we can cut Jason Worth? <laughs> Yeah, pay him all the money. Oh my so god, we can, we can get him off the roster. You oh know, god. what if it's cool? Whatever. Okay. So, because, well, I, I have another little special announcement here. What, the, what does that? That, mean? that that regression to the mean. When people talk about regression to the mean, it Sometimes doesn't it just be a good thing. It doesn't. Yes, it doesn't mean just going down. People go back to normal too. Like Jason Worth, for instance, and our Adam LaRoche. Yeah. Yeah. Our Ryan Zimmerman. Exactly. Uh, All right. And with that, Nats fans, uh, we want to thank <laughs> we want to thank Creative House for helping out with our logo. We want to thank the Isotopes for <clears throat> Go Topes. <laughs> for our intro and our outro. You can follow them at the Isotopes. You can follow Matt at SodaPop6548. Yeah, you got it. You can follow <laughs> David at at David Huzzard. Follow me at Sultan underscore of underscore stat. And always you can follow the show at Sits of Natstown. Uh, Nats fans, that is your Sittings of Natstown for Thursday, April 5th. We will see you next week. Until then, we are ghosts.